Well, good morning, Porch Community. It's good to see you. I'm glad you are here. Welcome. We are in this series in Leviticus. If this happens to be your first time, a very special welcome to you. We're glad that you're here today. Yeah, so we're in the second week of this series. Um, I've got a question for you I want to start out this morning, and it's this. Um, does it bug you when you are, and in the first service, someone already said yes before I even said what it bug. Um, <laughs> does it bug you when you are trying to give instruction to somebody and they just don't get it? Does, it, does that bug you like they just don't understand, right? Maybe, maybe if we just talk slower or louder or if we enunciate very clearly, then maybe they will get it. I know, teachers, I know it's frustrating, um, especially if you say it over and over, right? Teachers, I know. Parents, don't elbow your significant other, right? But I know that can be irritating as well. But here, here's why I asked that question, because I, I want us to get in that mindset, because here's what I think, that when it comes to the book of Leviticus, because that's the series, but I could even say the, the, the Old Testament. When it comes to the book of Leviticus, I think we have a hard time understanding it. I think we have a hard time getting it, and we don't fully understand how profound the instructions are when it comes to Leviticus. Um, and other Old Testament books. This is what it says at the very tip top of it all. Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says this. The Lord called Moses from the tabernacle and said to him, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. And then guess what, friends? The next 27 chapters... <laughs> are the instructions. Woo! <laughs> Doesn't that sound awesome? Doesn't that sound like, yeah, I can't wait to read them. So the Lord gives these instructions to his people. And I think one of the difficulties that we have in understanding Levitical instructions is that it was written to Israel. It was written some 3,000 years ago to these people. And so when you think about this, it's like, okay, 3,000 years ago, I don't really get that. I can't put myself in that place, in that culture, in the, the social norms, the, all of that. I can't do it. But, and this is why we're doing this series, we can make a concerted effort, right, to try to understand. Just try. I mean, isn't that how it is with us when we're frustrated with someone who doesn't get it? If they even attempt to try to understand what we're saying, we appreciate it. And we're like, okay, I can work with this, Right? So that's kind of where I think we need to be is we need to be like, you know what? I'm going to try to understand instead of just going, eh, it's Leviticus. Uh, it's Old Testament. I'm done. Let's try to understand because I think in that our eyes will be open. I think our hearts will be open to how the Holy Spirit wants to lead us through the scriptures. So um, last week was this overview, as we called it, this 30,000 foot view of Leviticus. Um, today, what we're going to do, it's we're, we're zooming in. I would say it's more like a 20,000 foot view today before we really get into it. But what I want to do today is I want to do two things. I want to cover these four Levitical concepts that we see that actually we see transfer over into the New Testament that we might not have noticed before. 
four Levitical concepts that we see in the New Testament. Um, and then what I want to do is take a few moments to look at some examples from the New Testament of some of these 27 chapters of laws and regulations, some of these that, trans that continue uh, because of Jesus and some that are done because of Jesus. Because there's, there's, there's both. It's not like they all just ended. There, there's both. Today is a note-taker's paradise for you because there's going to be a lot of references and a lot of scripture mentioned, so I encourage you to write it down, and as always, go and read it for yourself later. Um, so let's start with these four concepts, all right? The first one is, uh, so it's a concept that it's, it's in Leviticus, but we find it in the New Testament. The first is this concept of sacrifice. I mean, we're in church today. You're in church. You've been in church. We know the word sacrifice. We've heard the word sacrifice. We might have kind of an idea of what it means, but it's definitely a word that we still use today. So that didn't just cease with whenever, you know, Jesus came along, right? We, we cannot, but I mention it because I don't think we can truly, truly understand the concept of sacrifice that we know in the New Testament without understanding the sacrificial system that was in place in Leviticus. And it was detailed. We're going to start getting into that next week. We're going to look at these sacrifices. But so, I don't know if you've ever asked this question. I did. Why did Jesus actually have to die? What did he actually accomplish in his death? See, some people go, well, drr, but it's like when you stop and really think about this, many of us know the words used to express that Jesus died as a sacrifice for our sins. That he, we might use the word substitute. He was a substitute for our sins. That his death saves us from our sin. But truly understanding Jesus' sacrifice is contingent upon understanding the painstaking system of sacrifices that we find in Leviticus chapters 1 through 7. So in understanding Leviticus, it gives us insight and op opens our eyes to the sacrifice of Jesus. And not only that, this is what is so amazing to me, which it would seem so strange to 3,000 year ago Israelites and maybe even to the, some Jewish people still today. But not only is there this, this sacrifice that's on us, but in Romans 12, and I don't have it up on the screen, but in Romans 12, Paul tells us, those who follow Jesus, that we're actually supposed to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, that wasn't, that wasn't, in, that wasn't in Levitical law. So, so, but, but it's all in the sacrificial mindset. So Paul says, if you if, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. So truly understanding Paul's instruction, what does that mean? What does that look like to have a life that is a living sacrifice? Because sacrifice meant death, right? So then you get into this whole thing of, oh, that means dying to myself, right? This is where we go, and it all anchors back to Leviticus. So this concept of sacrifice is really, really important for us to take in. Leviticus 1 through 7, we're going to jump into it 
in more detail next week. There's a second concept, and it's the concept of priesthood. Priesthood. Now, the priesthood is different than our understanding today of, of a, it's not a pastor. Uh, it wouldn't even be, um, you know, some, some denomination, some use the term priest. And in some of their doctrine and theology, they might even view it as this, this, what I'm about to tell you from Leviticus, right? But it's this idea, the priest that's mentioned in Leviticus, it's actually a person who stands in between you and God. And that person has to be real holy. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the Shannon version of Leviticus. You got to be real holy to do that. Um, I mean, the, the requirements and the laws for that were intense. So there is this priesthood. Well, the concept of priesthood um, was someone who they would mediate, they would oversee the sacrifice, they would make sure the sacrifice you're bringing was good enough. I mean, all of this is involved. Understanding the concept of priesthood in Leviticus makes it uh, possible for us to understand, begin to understand, because that's our effort, right, to try to understand the significance of Jesus as our high priest, because that's what he's referred to. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 16, it says, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Okay, the high priest in Leviticus didn't pass through the heavens. The high priest in Leviticus got to be closer to God than anyone else, but did not pass through the heavens, okay? We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So hold on to who you believe Jesus is. And then in verse 16, it says, let us draw near with confidence. Friends, in Leviticus, no one was drawing near to God in a whole lot of confidence. It was fear and trepidation all day long. Did I mess up? Was my sacrifice good enough? Was there, was there maybe one little blemish I didn't see, like in between the toes of my little goat that I brought? Like, what, there was, there was no confidence coming before the Lord. But it says that Jesus now is our great high priest. He mediates this. He's the one that stands between us. He's the, and so we can draw near, and not just draw near, but draw near with confidence. See, our expansion of how we view God and the relationship that he wants to have with us now because of our, our attempt to understand Leviticus, it's big. It's big. I, I think it, it, it should affect the way we uh, read Scripture and then the way we live that out. Here's another thing. Just like with, um, just like with the sacrifice... Um, that Jesus is our sacrifice in the New Testament, but then Paul says, and we're to live, we're to be uh, as a living sacrifice. Same thing happens with the idea of a priest. Not just anyone was a priest in the Levitical system. No, not just anyone got to do that. So then what we find, though, is first of all, Jesus is our great high priest, but then we read in the New Testament that we are priests, that we are actually part of the priesthood, that we are called to be a part of this. And so there is this presumption in the New Testament that the listeners, that the readers of, of the New Testament text were people who knew the law. They knew the law that was contained in Leviticus. And so all of these words jumped out at them. And they were profound to them. So we have the, the concept of sacrifice, and we have the concept of 
priesthood. I t- this is a brief overview of these, okay? And then there's the concept of the law, of the law. All 27 chapters of Leviticus contain God's law given to the Israelites. Not all of God's law, but all of Leviticus is God's law. All of it. And then listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill the law, which means all 27 of those regulations and rules in Leviticus and other places. It wasn't all the law, but all of Leviticus is law. So, in understanding, attempting to understand the intricacies of the law contained in Leviticus, it should cause us to um, celebrate, (laughs) be excited about how Jesus actually fulfills the law and how I think it's important too for us to appreciate how astounding it must have been for Jesus in the flesh to say in one sentence that he fulfilled all 27 chapters of Leviticus. So there's the concept of sacrifice and priesthood and the concept of law. Then there's this concept of holiness. Four times in Leviticus, in chapter 11, in chapter 19, twice in chapter 20, Um, we find God saying something to the effect of, and because I am holy, you will be holy. Or because I want you to be holy because I am holy. That's the end goal, is God wants us to be holy because he wants to be in relationship with us, right? So it's holiness is the goal. And Leviticus, I think it explains, it definitely gives us wider understanding of this misunderstood concept, because I, I think for most of us, holiness is, whether we know it or not, it's about trying to win approval. The holiness is, if I do these things, then, then God will like me. God will love me. Uh, if I do this, 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 tell me the rules I need to follow so then I can, I can be good enough. Or, you know, I can, I can draw nearer maybe than, than others. And that's, that's not the right idea. That is not, um, it's, it's this. Um, it's not about trying to win approval. It's about living as our true design. It's about living as we were actually created to be. The, the root word, our English word for holy, H-O-L-Y, the root word is the same as the English word whole, W-H-O-L-E. It's the same, and it's, and it's similar in, in, in the original language as well, but in our English word, we find holy and whole. And we are, to be holy, friends, is to be a whole person. To be holy is to be who we were intended to be, who we were created to be, how it was at the very, very beginning of creation. To be holy is to be how we were intended to be, and that is so much different than just trying to win approval. So Leviticus tells us how we are to be whole persons, how to be complete. 
All right, so we have these concepts of sacrifice and priesthood and law and holiness, and we see them come alive in the New Testament. And they're all very central to the book of Leviticus, and not only just the book of Leviticus, but these four concepts are central to the Torah itself, the first five books of the Bible. Right there in the middle is Leviticus with these concepts. So sacrifice, priesthood, law, and holiness. Not only are they central to Leviticus and the Torah, the Old Testament, but they're also central to our walk, our faith as believers, as Christians in the New Testament. And I think one of the problems that we have and it's, is that we try to apply Leviticus when we do try to understand it, right, is that we read it as if it were written to us now. We can't do this because you and I live after the cross. And Leviticus was written to Israel who lived before the cross. So as we read Leviticus, what we need to do, we need to take our application of of Leviticus through the cross. We need to take our application of Leviticus, our understanding of Leviticus, through the cross of Jesus Christ. So when we take the cross into account, what we discover then, there are some things that don't apply to us today because of Jesus, and then there are some things that do apply to us today because of Jesus, and there's some things that actually have expanded that were said then that are actually bigger now because of Jesus. So I want to look at a few of these, some Levitical laws that were first fulfilled with the cross. Um, It's this, the sacrifices were fulfilled at the cross, They were fulfilled. So that means all those laws on how to do a sacrifice, what to do, what animal to bring, and how to do it, all of that found in Leviticus chapters 1 through 7 were fulfilled, fulfilled at the cross. No more. No more sacrifices were needed. Could people still make them? Sure, if you want to. Were they necessary? No. Jesus fulfilled those sacrifices. Y'all, that is big. And see, we kind of go, well, yeah, cool. But like to, to understand this and to realize the fulfillment that was achieved by this is, is huge. Jesus was our ultimate sacrifice. There is no need for any other sacrifices. All those laws about bulls and goats and rams and lambs and birds and everything, they're not needed anymore. Jesus, perfect sacrifice. In understanding that law, And understanding how Jesus has fulfilled that, doesn't that, shouldn't that make the sacrifice of Christ? Shouldn't it affect us? Shouldn't it humble us? Shouldn't it shouldn't it bring it bring us to our knees in confession and repentance and and thankfulness? The sacrifices were fulfilled at the cross. Not only were the sacrifices fulfilled at the cross, but these laws about the priests, well, they ended with the cross as well. We don't need a mediator priest. We don't need someone to stand in between us and go, is your sacrifice good enough? Yes, it is. We don't, we don't need that. that that's not, we, we don't, 
we don't have to make any more sacrifices except our living sacrifice. But Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus is our mediator. He is the one. He's the one. He's the one who, so isn't it, isn't it significant that not only is Jesus the sacrifice, but he's also the priest. He encompasses both of those um, important, required in Old Testament roles. You needed a sacrifice and you needed a priest. And without those two, you can't make a sacrifice. You couldn't stay home and barbecue one of your goats and go, sacrifice made. That's not how that worked. You needed the perfect sacrifice that was like checked off. Yep, it's a good one. And you needed the priest to approve it and be part of it. And Jesus is both of those for us. So the laws about the priest ended. Jesus is our great high priest. The book of Hebrews Go and read that. My goodness. It, 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 we'll talk about priests later in this series. But um, my goodness, Hebrews is just a, an incredible companion, especially in regard to priesthood. Um, so here's something else that, that ended or was fulfilled with uh, Jesus. And it's this. The food laws ended. There's a lot of food laws and they ended with Jesus. What was clean and unclean? What, was, what could you eat? What could you not eat? How could you eat it? How could you cook it? All of these things, they ended with Jesus. Here is what Mark chapter 7 says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, don't you understand either? Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? See, we read that and go, okay. But all they had been told, all the Jewish people had been told for centuries was certain foods defile you. And now Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Verse 19, food doesn't go into your heart because it was, it was about that, but only passes through the stomach and then into the sewer. And then he says this, by, or this is what it says, by saying this, he, Jesus, declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. It just wiped out all those food laws. Wiped them out. So they're all done. But in understanding the Levitical food laws, now we should appreciate how Jesus fulfilled those exhaustive food laws. Now, here's the thing though. Jesus didn't end all of the, all of, he didn't go, hey, that whole Leviticus book, just don't worry about it anymore. He didn't do that. Some he actually, they continued through the cross. They expanded in some ways. For, I'll give you an example of an expansion. It's one we, we've mentioned many times, even before we got in this series, but it's our love of others. When Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with everything you have and love your neighbors yourself. And when he says, and love your neighbors yourself, the Jewish listeners knew that he was quoting Leviticus 19.18. They knew it. Because in Leviticus 19.18, what it says is that you must love your neighbor as yourself. And Levitical law meant you must love your fellow Israelite neighbor as yourself. Because you don't love those other people. You stay away from those other people. They'll defile you. So it, it was just about loving you, your people, right? And together you're trying to be holy. 
But now what Jesus is saying is it's not just the love of our fellow Israelites. So now we take the Levitical law of love your neighbor as yourself, and we take it through the cross, and now we see it's actually larger. We'll see it more in Ephesians 2 in a moment when we get there. But so now the love of our fellow Israelites, as it meant Leviticus, is now love for everyone. That law is fully in effect today because Jesus carried it through the cross. We read it in Matthew 22. We understand that it is a living continuation of that law. So it's important for us to know that and understand that. Not everything was done. Holiness, as we mentioned, is one of those concepts. But the idea of holiness, the concept of holiness, Peter quotes from the book of, De- of Leviticus in uh, chapter 1, verse 16, 1 Peter 1, 16, when he says, you must be holy for I am holy. And he wasn't talking about himself. He was saying, this, this is what Jesus has done. Jesus says, you be holy. Jesus is God. You be holy because I'm holy. That law is fully in effect today because Jesus has carried that through the cross, right? So we're not trying to win approval, but our desire is to be closer to God, to be more as we were intended to be who we were created to be. Be people who recognize our sin and, and, and confess it and live, under, and live through the cross of Jesus, that forgiveness, So holiness, to be whole, to be true. uh, We do a weekly podcast called The 167. It's under the Porch Community Church podcast. And we're we're, uh, dedicating the next several weeks while we're in this series. We don't always do a companion with the series. um, But we're doing a companion on the podcast with the series. And so last Thursday, episode 94 dropped. And um, it, was all, it was about holiness. So we're going to be talking about that. So go and listen to episode 94 because it goes in depth about holiness. I encourage you to do that. And then here, I've mentioned the sacrifice laws. I'll, I'll mention this as well. In our community groups, what we're doing starting this week. Um, so starting uh, tomorrow night, I guess it would be with our first group, is we are... Um, There's 15 available groups, so you can find one online um, if you're not in one. But over the next five or six weeks, what our community groups are going to be doing is they're going to be doing in-depth discussion uh, on the sacrificial offerings found in Leviticus 1 through 7. So they're going to go in a deep dive on the sacrifices in and of themselves. Um, And so my, my prayer, my purpose for this whole series on Leviticus is, is for us, is to help us understand, for us to try to understand what has Jesus done in the New Testament and how we are to live our, our faith out today, but how profound it is because of what transpired before. I mean, everything Jesus did was to fulfill what was written before. Everything. Here's a couple of more examples I want to offer to you. Um, without specific verses, I don't think. But in, in Leviticus, or excuse me, in Matthew chapter 8, um, Jesus goes to a, a man with a skin condition, uh, leprosy. He was just called a leper. Who, know what, who knows exactly what the condition was? But Jesus touched him. Levitical law, like uh, chapters 13 and 14 in Leviticus, are all about you do not touch unclean people or things. You don't do it. You don't do it. 
And there are repercussions if you do on being made clean again. So you just don't do it. So can you imagine the, the stay away from me vibe? I mean, it's nothing compared to how we were with COVID, right? Remember the days when someone would just cough a little bit and you'd like freak out? I mean, it was nothing compared to that. And so, so but here's what Jesus does. He goes and he touches a unclean person. Everyone knew that he was considered unclean. And so you would think, well, Jesus is now defiled and unclean. And now he's got to go through all these rules and all these things. But you know what happens instead? <laughs> the man is healed. Skin condition gone. See, this is why that Leviticus is so profound for us to understand. Can you imagine what those, those first century, those first generation people must have seen to see laws fulfilled, to see laws ended, to see that life no longer, or for those who were never a part of it, the Gentile people, to go, oh, now I get to, I get to be part of this? I mean, not that stuff, this stuff? So he touches the unclean man, and yet he is healed. Jesus had made him clean. The woman who was bleeding just touches the hem of his robe. And again, you go, well, there you go. Jesus has got to go out of the build, out of the walls for a while and hang out there, and it's going to be a whole thing. No, she's healed. She's healed. She's made whole. She's made whole as she was intended to be. Peter has this struggle. He's told to go to this guy's house, Cornelius. And he's like, I, it's going to be, I mean, I'm breaking every rule. I'm breaking every rule that I live by to go to his house. And not only that, but they're going to want me to eat some stuff that I've never eaten before. And it wasn't because he didn't like the taste of it. It's because he was told it was bad. It would defile him. He would be out for a period of time so he could earn his way back in. What does he do? But he is told in, in, um, in this, with, with, with Peter, he's, he's told in Matthew 9 that, no, excuse me, in, in the, the laws of Leviticus chapter 11 go into great detail about the food laws that Peter knows so well. And yet the Lord tells him, no, go. Go to his house and eat. Go to his house and eat. This is what Paul writes in Romans chapter 10 verse 4. For Christ, so now in light of all of this, and all, and just the little bit we've looked at today, hear these words. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. He's already accomplished the purpose for all of that law. Christ has accomplished it. As a result, this is the good news for you and me. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Can you imagine being someone who has followed Levitical law your whole life, your generation upon generation upon generation in your family's life, and then to hear this news? It's been fulfilled. Now we, we're all made right with God. In Ephesians 2, as I mentioned, verse 15, he, talking about Jesus, did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. 
He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. So not only did he accomplish these laws and fulfill them for the Jewish people, but he's now done it for the Gentiles as well. For all of humanity, these laws have been fulfilled. And you got to think about this. They, the Jewish people had to have been utterly shocked to hear these words. That, that Levitic, the Levitical law has been, it's done? So I want, if, if we need, <laughs> understanding Leviticus, I'll just go here. Understanding Leviticus helps us embrace the revolutionary way of Jesus. And I don't use that word lightly, Revolutionary. It is revolutionary. It was revolutionary for them, for the Jewish people to hear these words, to see the witness of Christ, to hear those who proclaimed him to be Lord and Savior. It was revolutionary. It changed everything. Everything. And so I, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear the urge. I know it's a, it's maybe it's not 30,000 feet. Maybe we're like at 20,000 feet right now, but Read the book of Leviticus. We cannot even possibly cover everything. We're going to do it in different ways. We're going we're gonna to zero in, but we, get your Bible app and listen to Leviticus. Let someone read it to you while you're driving down the road. Even when it gets dry and it gets boring or it seems repetitive, take it in for the sheer fact that you will appreciate what happens in the New Testament. Because that's where we are given life. We are grafted in to being God's people. We are, the sacrifice Jesus made wasn't just for someone else. It was for you and it was for me. Understanding Leviticus helps us embrace the revolutionary way of Jesus. And it's the way that he calls us to as well. Stephen, the martyr was brought to trial and eventually killed precisely because he was saying that the Levitical law must be looked at through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He was killed for it. Here's an example of a New Testament passage that I, I pray has, has more life to it today because we've gone a, a little bit into Leviticus. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, all the Levitical references or concepts are, are found in red. Beginning in verse 4, you are coming to Christ. Okay, so the idea of us coming to God in and of itself, I should have put that in red too. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. This is where all the sacrifices took place. This is where you went. This is where the high priest oversaw everything. Everything happened there. What's more, talk about revolutionary, you are holy priests. Not just Jesus. You are holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, he stood there between us. You offer what? Spiritual sacrifices that please God. 
Verse 9, for you are a chosen people. This is New Testament words. Chosen people were just a certain group of people. Now we're all chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation, God's very own possession. These are all Levitical terms. As a result, as a result of being God's very own possession, you can show others the goodness of God. What's all this for? For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, and now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, and now you have received God's mercy. Holiness, priesthood, sacrifices, law, they're all here. First Peter, and particularly this passage, comes alive with startling clarity when we gain, try to gain a deeper understanding of Leviticus. So as the band comes back out and we continue our time in worship, what we find with Leviticus, it's like this, it's a picture of the new covenant, but we don't really understand it. It's veiled. It's concealed. But then when you get into the, the New Testament, what we find is that what transpired in the old is actually now revealed. It's unveiled. It comes alive. It's real. It's powerful. It's life-changing. It is revolutionary. Last week, we looked at that, that breakdown of the chapters that went into these five key sections and if you happen to miss last week's message, I encourage you to, to go online and watch or listen to Leviticus week one, just to get a deeper understanding of that. I want to circle back to this truth as we pray. First Peter tells us, porch community, that we are God's very own possession. How can a, a, a holy God be in relationship with us. Y'all, we mess up. I'll tell you how. It's through Jesus. Our great high priest, the sacrifice. It's the only way. Father, as we come to you to pray, I pray that we understand this. I pray that we choose to, to, to live into this truth that, Lord, we would just try to understand just try. Lord, I ask for wisdom for your people as we read your word, as we study together, as we talk and discuss all these things. Lord, would you give us wisdom? And, and not only that, Lord, but would you give us a renewed hunger for your word that we would want to read it, that, that we would miss it when we don't, that we would dust it off if it's a little bit dusty and we would open our Bibles and read your word because in it is life, promise. Oh God, how many of us, I know, all of us, we've walked in here today, a sinful people. And we need a priest. We need a sacrifice. 
we need something. We can't come close to you. You are too holy. We would just burn up and disintegrate in your presence. We need someone. Thank you for Jesus. And I pray that we comprehend that. We, we, uh, we, we understand that in an even deeper way today. Lord, you deserve our praise. confession. May we be a living sacrifice. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his revolutionary way. And it's in his name we pray all these things. Amen.